You're listening to the My Victory Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in this weekend. Just want to say what a privilege it is for myself and my wife, Jen, to be able to pastor this online campus. Over the past month, we've had just amazing testimonies of people that are coming from all over the map, uh, tuning in and finding community with what is happening in the My Victory organization. Um, We are actually making history today because this is the first time that we have an online live message that is coming directly to our online campus. And I couldn't be more uh, blessed to be able to deliver what's been on my heart in this last season with you guys. Um, There's something that's happened in this last season that has put us through tests and trials. I don't know if I'm the only one here. I'm probably sure you've gone through some as well on your end. And if I were to be completely honest, guys, I don't think church is ever going back to the way that it was before. We can reopen the doors, we can turn on the lights, we can play the music, but something will be different. Something has to be different. Now, as a father and as a husband, there were battles that I fought in this last season that I never, ever voiced. I battled uh, insecurity. I battled um, just not believing in my purpose. I, I battled tiredness, weariness. And I kept saying to myself, man, before COVID hit, I kept saying, man, if I just had more time, if I just had more time to spend into my kids to develop them in their skills, and if I just had more time to develop their, their spiritual giftings, and COVID hit, and I got exactly what I asked for. I got time. And we've all fought battles in this season. And to be honest and truthful, some of you guys are still bat- fighting battles right now. And some battles we've even chosen to fight on our own apart from the support of others. Nevertheless, I still believe God is building something different in this church. He's rebuilding his church in this season, and we couldn't be more excited about it. Now, to give you a premise of where I want to go with you guys today, as King David was kind of nearing the end of his life, God spoke to him in regards to what would happen to the building of the temple to house the Ark of the Covenant where God's Spirit resided. We're going to go take it from 1 Chronicles 28, verse 2 to 3. It says, then King David rose to his feet. Now David is talking to the congregation and all the leaders. And he says, hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war. And then in 1 Chronicles 28, 5 to 6, it says, and all of my sons... For the Lord has given me many sons. This is David talking. He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord of Israel. Now he has said to me, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. To give insight to where I'm going, guys, is that we're looking at the the, the handoff that happened between David and his son Solomon. David, as we know, was a man for God's own heart, ended up being King David, but spent a lot of his life fighting and taking ground. And we see in this picture, and the story is, is split up between um, first, Samuel, first, like first Kings and First Chronicles, and it's, it's depicting what is happening between a father and his son and setting him up for success. Now in First Kings 5, verse 1 to 5, it says, Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon, because he had heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father, for Hiram had always loved David. Then Solomon said to Hiram, 
You know how my father David could not build a house for the name of the Lord, his God, because of the wars in which he fought against him on every side. Until the Lord put his foes under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor evil occurrence. This is Solomon talking. And guys, we're fighting wars right now. We're fighting battles right now in our own personal lives. And we may look at it as, as, as we're pushing as hard as we can right now. And, and, it's, and it's a trial. It's difficult. But sometimes what we don't realize is the battles that we're fighting right now may be clearing the way for our kids in the future. What if we were to look at our circumstances in this last year and a half and every internal thought that we had that rose up and everything that we, we struggled with and, and, and competed in ourselves with, what if that was actually us wrestling through and toiling the ground for what's to come with what God wants to do with our future kids? Now watch this. If we are in the process of God rebuilding his church, there are some battles that if we fight right now, if we take them on right now, our children will not have to fight them. It would be a shame if we as today's church gave our lives fighting for the church we want rather than fighting for the church our kids will need. So God speaks to Solomon and instructs him. So to give you more context to this, the handoff between David and Solomon and David is equipping Solomon with everything he needs, the people, the instructions in order to build this temple to house the Ark of the Covenant. Now, in 1 Chronicles 28, 9-10, it says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands the intent of his thoughts. Now, if you seek him, he will be found out by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Now, let's give David some credit here because we see him acting as a father as he instructs Solomon in how to build the temple. Watch this. It's so powerful. In verse 11, it says, Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat, and the plans for all that he had by the spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord, for all the chambers all around, of all the treasuries of the house of God, and for all the treasuries of the dedicated things. Also for the division of the priests and for the Levites, for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord and for all the articles of the service in the house of the Lord. This is where I feel that the church is at in this very moment, in the rebuilding process. And there are some things that David sets up really well for Solomon. He's taking time to affirm Solomon that he can do it, but he also takes it a couple of steps further. And there's a difference in what happens when you're in the building process and what, what God is doing right now, he's, he's rebuilding the church. So what does this look like? If you're taking notes, which I hope you are, point number one, building something new takes no person for granted. Prior to giving Solomon the plans, David meets with leader officials, officers, clergy, and gives them instruction on how to serve his son Solomon in the building of the temple. So we see in 1 Chronicles 28, 21, it says, Here are the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the service of the house of God. And every willing craftsman will be with you for all manner of workmanship. For every kind of service, all the leaders and all the people will be completely at your command. Point number two, building something new empowers everyone to take ownership of the build. Here David sets the example. 1 Chronicles 29, 3, it says, Furthermore, 
because my heart is in this, in addition to and beyond what I've gathered, I'm turning over my personal fortune of gold and silver for making this place of worship for my God. 3,000 talents of gold, all from Ophir and the best, and 7,000 talents of silver for covering the walls of the buildings and for the gold and silver work by craftsmen and artisans. And now David challenges the rest of the leaders. He says, and now who among you is ready and willing to join in the giving? Point number three, building something new fosters a new community, uh, sorry, fosters a new commitment to unity. Not just people being assembled, being aligned. First Chronicles 29.1 says, my son Solomon was singled out and chosen by God to do this, but he's young and untested and the work is huge. This is not, this is key guys, this is not just a place for people to meet each other, although that's good, but a house for God to meet us. Now, out of all these great things that David did, there was still something missing. Something didn't get laid out in the plans or the framework. And this is where I think that we miss it, is David gave Solomon everything he needed to build the temple outside, but failed to teach Solomon how to defend against what ultimately became his downfall. And initially, Solomon asked for wisdom, which God gave him and made him extremely wealthy, so wealthy he not only had everything he wanted, but he could have anyone he wanted. And it wasn't uncommon for prominent kings to have many wives in these times, but just because you have position and just because something is permissible does not mean that it's beneficial. As we see in scripture, many of David's downfalls and wars he fought as a king was when it came to women. And unfortunately, we see this generational effect happen in Solomon as well. So take the example of Bathsheba on the, on the roof where David was tempted and did what he wanted to do and then had to go ahead and send off for her husband to be, to be murdered. There was, so, there was something that was still undealt with in David that he never passed on to Solomon. There was something that he, that he wrestled with internally that still was never taught and passed on to Solomon. And watch this in 1 Kings 11 verse 3 says, about Solomon, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father, David. This is going to our parents out there. This is going to our leaders out there. This is going to the individuals out there is how could David prepare and instruct Solomon on how to build the most opulent temple outside, but fail to teach or address the very thing that would later take him out? If David struggled with it, if he was setting Solomon up for success in every other area, why did David not protect his God-chosen son going forward? I think church that we get so wrapped up in doing church that we forget to teach our children the reason why church is such a big part of our lives. And if we're going to assist God in rebuilding this church, we need to set some very strong foundations in our generations coming up. And, and the problem is, is that failure to teach practices without purposes will leave the next generation completely unprotected. And we can teach our kids to, to sing, 
in church. But if we don't teach them why worship is our weapon, they'll proclaim words of victory and they'll never ever experience what true victory feels like. We can teach our kids about money and how to invest for returns, but if we never teach them that everything we have is God's anyways, and being generous isn't something that we do, but it's who we are, they may never receive the return of watching someone's life turn around and, and that feeling and that, that, that fulfillment that comes with that. It's kind of like watching a mother teach her daughter how to put on makeup, but then the mother fails to teach the daughter about her self-worth and inner beauty when the makeup is off. The truth is, church, is that our failure to confront today's personal problems, the stuff that we're battling with on the inside, will fracture the progress of tomorrow's church. And I'll even, I'll even push it a little bit further and dare I say this, but the strength of tomorrow's church is dependent upon the personal battles that we choose to or choose not to fight and deal with today. If we're building something new, if we're building something for the long haul to be prosperous and unified, we need to fight the internal battles just as much as the external ones if our kids have any hope of experiencing the fullness of what God created the church to be. Now, here's the danger. What happens if we as leaders or, or we as volunteers or we as parents, what happens if we fail to deal with these personal problems? Number one, we will spend the crucial time that we've been given focused on maintenance as opposed to movement and momentum. We'll abuse the equipment God is giving us that is needed for the season ahead by trying to use it in a season that should have passed already. Not only that, but we will fail to lead in our own lives, which leaves us ill-equipped to disciple people in theirs. The charge of the command was to go out and create disciples. And the hardest person to lead is yourself. We've got to get this, church. We, we, we've got to come face to face with, with what's going on internally and allow God to do just surgery on us inside and help us get into alignment with what he is speaking to us, where he's leading us as a church, as individuals, how he's leading us as families. This is so crucial and it's not something that we can, that we can uh, flippantly let go of. Like the future of what we're pushing so hard for today depends on this. We can't lead people through waters we haven't sailed ourselves. And to put it into, because the church is usually talked about an army, is that wounded soldiers, they don't take ground. They fight to hold on to the ground that they already have. My challenge to you today is this. What are the internal issues that you're facing but are refusing to deal with? Is it worth dealing with today so that tomorrow is something new? What is the addiction or the distraction that has your, that has held your attention for so long that you would hate to see your children go through and struggle with it? Is it a sacrifice? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it is. Is it worth it? Absolutely, it is. Here's a powerful quote by an early American missionary named um, Adoram Judson. <clears throat> and he says this, he says, there is no success without sacrifice. If you succeed without sacrifice, it is because someone else has suffered before you. If you sacrifice without success, it is because someone will succeed after. Church, what would the future look like if we could overcome our personal obstacles to set up others well and equip them to build the next stage? Guys, the church would be unstoppable. The takeaway today is this. If the church is rebuilding, which it is, 
Let's infuse it with purposeful longevity through our children, prosperity through our giving, and unity through our actions. Tomorrow's church is dependent on us. And I think today is a really good time. After we've just gone through the Resilience series, today's a really good time to do an in-depth look at what, have, what, what little things have we passed off as, as smaller and significant that have been bottling up and bottling up and now have hindered us from going forward. Not just going forward personally, but being able to disciple others. How can I walk through somebody with a pornography addiction if I haven't battled it myself? How can I steer through waters for somebody else that I haven't even gotten in the boat to attempt. Guys, this is so crucial for us in this time. And if we're rebuilding, we need to rebuild on strong foundations. And the higher we want to go, the more deeper and wider the foundation needs to be. God wants to do that amazing work in your life. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for how you've positioned your church in this time, in this day, and how you've brought people from all walks of life to contribute and bring their giftings into what you're building. Help us, God. Examine our hearts. Take us to a point that we refuse to go to. Let us see what's happening on the inside, Father. And don't let us just, just teach practices to our children. God, help us teach purposes. Help us teach them the why. So that we're not just giving them, we're not just giving them a weapon, but we're, we're giving them a perspective of why the battle needs to be won. We thank you so much for everything you're doing in our lives. Wow, what an incredible message by Pastor Tim. Did you guys enjoy that? If you did, let's throw up some, uh, get some of those flexing emojis in the chat there. Uh, Paul says in Romans 10, 9, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart uh, that he rose again from the dead and you will be saved. I want to say a prayer with you that will do just that. So uh, let's repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God, and I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you now to become my Lord, my Savior, my friend. That my past is past, and then I can begin a new life with you today. Amen. If you guys prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a link in the chat. We want to meet you. We want to send you a Bible. We want to help you along in your journey. Uh, that's an amazing decision that you made today, so congratulations. Thank you for joining us today on our My Victory podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check us out at myvictory.ca. If you'd like to watch our live stream, go to victorylethbridge.tv. 